What's up, everyone? This is Anthony, and this is part two of our chat with Philip Chabib. If you missed part one, it's right there on the podcast feed. But if you've already heard part one, you're in the right place. Let's pick up where we left off. As we kind of went through like 2020 to 2023, let's just say like where mm. we're at now, um, most of us were like apart from our normal communities, right? Mm-hmm. The normal circle of friends that we that you would just hang out with and just be free to be yourself and let people know how you're doing, let people know what you're struggling with, let people just be around you so you can just kind of be in your community spaces. And I feel like us kind of having a big chunk of that taken away and then the way that most people are connecting is on our devices, mm-hmm. you know? And then we see these very polarizing views. And then, you know, as I was saying to you earlier, like, I was like, man, sometimes, like, I don't know what I believe on a certain matter. And then I feel this pressure, like you were saying, Ant, like, oh, like, if you don't speak up, then then you're also casting a vote somehow. And then mm-hmm. people are going to call you out. And I'm just like, oh, man, I don't really know how to say this because I don't want to say it in the quote unquote wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then for me, my my sort of, like, tendency is like, I'm just going to clam up and just not say anything. And then I just, all that stuff stays up here. And then I'm also not able to express through with my community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we were talking before we started rolling about mental health. And especially like right now, we are in a mental health crisis yeah. because of all this pent up compounding, like isolation. Yeah. And I never thought that I had like, and 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 I you know I say this with the recognition like yes th- this is happening right now yeah. I just never thought that it would affect me for whatever reason because I was like I don't you know as a kid growing up or even just before the pandemic I always felt like yeah I'm, I'm pretty good you know mental my mental health is pretty good but like this year or actually it was like the tail end of 2022 where I was just like am I struggling yeah but like I didn't talk to anybody about it because yeah. it's like. Nah, I'm I'll, I'll, I'm I'm probably mm. fine. You know what yeah. I mean. And then like, and then I once I started to open up to other people, and then realizing like, oh, you're also struggling with it in yeah. in your own way. Hundred percent. And yeah, man, it's that's where I feel like where we're at now. And you know, this is what I feared when the lockdowns happened in COVID. I was like, this is not the worst of this these times. Yeah. It's gonna be the years coming after this. Yeah. Because yeah. we're gonna now see the residual effects of years yeah. of, of like, you know, job loss, homelessness, mm-hmm. relational, you know, breakups yeah. and things like that. Like yeah. all that stuff is now like we've received all of it. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? And I think that it's interesting because it compounded two particular effects that I think were pretty devastating is one is we were already getting dependent on our devices. But the problem is the device is a one-way communication device. You watch someone else talk to you, but you can't intervene. Like you can't, uh, you can't steer the conversation. You can't ask questions, and it makes you angry. And it makes you angry or emotional. And then you try to t- like some people use the comments as a way to release that that they didn't get a chance to be like, oh wait, well, but that thing you said, I, I don't agree with it because they don't exist. Mm-hmm. They're not a real person that can respond back. And I don't right. think we're naturally. Uh, gifted as a species to understand how to work with one-way communication. It's just weird for us, right? So then we try to take out our opinions and we like shove all the emotion to the comments. And if you don't, it's even scarier because then it's like, where do you put it? Now you compound that with being isolated. Well, now you can't even talk about it with your friends. So now you have nowhere to put that frustration. So now you can't talk to the person that just gave you this, you know, conflicting 
piece of whatever. And then now you don't have anyone to talk to with you either. And I think that's why I think going back to the conversation about why should we be saying what we feel, it's it's that therapy thing. It's mm-hmm. the idea that when you articulate yourself, you basically out of your mouth comes like a little statue that's like poorly carved of your beliefs right and then the person looks at them they're like oh i think you can do better here and they start to shave at it and then they do the same thing to you and you guys are trading these things they're in word form but you're basically articulating as you when you leave you guys have a more refined version Mm -hmm. of your belief than when you came and that refinement helps you feel more certain and safe in Mm -hmm. in yourself in your own body because you're like i could trust myself because i know what i'm supposed to be doing now right where before it was a bit chaotic and you were worried that you were going to move towards disaster somehow and that's what conversation is for. It's an amazing gift we have. And you strip that away because you're scared of it. You're going to fall into a trap of prolonged fear and uncertainty. Right. And I think that those compounding aspects have made it worse for us. And I, I've definitely felt it. Uh, I was very fortunate to, like, Mackenzie has been like a, like, we talk a lot. And I think some people don't even have that advantage because sometimes they don't even see their, their wife or their kids all day. They're working all day. They come home. They're tired. They go to sleep. And it compounds in their mind. And they don't even realize that they're getting more and more depressed across the thing because they haven't found a way to like they don't know what's organizing their life anymore and it just becomes meaningless and nothing they become nihilistic and they don't know why and it, it's it's and it's more common than i think people think which is something i think is important for everyone to know is like you know if you're feeling this there's a chance that almost everyone around you is feeling it but they're just quiet about it and they don't express right. it uh which is what you were saying it's like yeah. you just you don't talk about it because you're scared to but it's but it's real and it's happening to everybody um, and I think these conversations are literally going to save people mm-hmm. if they can do it with somebody in their life, like find anybody. Do you or have you done therapy or? I haven't I haven't done therapy myself, but I have because of all the studying I've been doing into, into psychology. I I dove really deep. I had a mentor that when I was writing the book, he was um, for like 30 years. He was a, a doctor of psychiatry. And then he went and spent 20 years in Tibet talking to the different like spiritual gurus in Tibet, the lamas basically, and uh, interviewed them about the, the the stream of consciousness. And he was my writing partner. So we ended up accidentally doing therapy in the middle of my writing because I would mm. express an idea, like a chapter of the book. And I'd be like, hey, what do you think about this? And then he would basically create this sort of almost like cognitive behavioral therapy where basically he would ask me questions about what I believed and helped me refine it. So, which it's funny because I, I, I really do believe that's what we're doing with each other all the time when we're honest. Like when we're being really real with each other, we're basically doing that sort of therapy for yeah. each other. You mentioned you, a book. You, 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 you wrote a book? You're writing a book? Yeah, so I, that was actually the beginning of it. So I, I wrote a book first thinking that was the first medium that I was going to do. I was going to write this book and I don't care. I don't have funding. I'm just going to do it because I want to for myself, even if I just give it to my kid one day or something. I was going to do it. And I wrote about 13, 14 chapters that describes the mechanics of how I believe we form our mental reality. And it was cool. It was fine. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't the best. I actually, I'm still not like the most ideal writer that I'd like to be, but it was like, it made sense. And I'm like, cool, this is good. And then I got to the last section, which was like supposed to be six chapters about real life applications of the system I created. And I realized I was like, I think I want to connect with real people about this instead of just like, because once it was all theory, it felt wrong to apply it having not lived that many lives. So I was like, the only way I'm going to do that is through the social media thing. So the missing self, at least for me, is the portion of the book that I didn't feel ready to write because I didn't live 
that many different lives. I've only lived mine. So as like as I start to engage with more people, I'm going to have a better grip over what's actually plaguing people and then how this system is going to actually help or not help. So I'm using these next like year or so to like really do research with my social media mm. um, so that when I create that last part of the book, it's actually relevant to people. That's dope. Yeah. What does is, what is the missing self mean to you? Society teaches us to have, uh, to play certain roles. And those roles are kind of what some people will call our ego or identity. But I don't like to use that word for that because I think it's misrepresented. I think personas are a better thing. So it's like, you know, as when I go to do a choreography job, I play the persona of a choreographer. And I do that because it's the most well-adapted um, character to play in that scenario. It would be weird if I played like a doctor in a, right? <laughs> it's like the, yeah. the best thing my animal can do is act like a choreographer in that situation. Mm -hmm. So I play it. But then when I go home, I take that outfit off. I'm not that persona anymore, right? I'm, and if I can't take it off, which is the idea that like the costume is my skin, that's ego to me, or at least the way I explain it. So like we all have personas and they're very healthy because we need to change personas. We have to change the way we express ourselves in every situation to get the most out of it. It'd be weird if we don't do that. And um, only when we think that persona is us, do we struggle to adapt to the next thing. So like maybe when I come home, I have to play a husband. All right. Well, if I'm still playing choreographer when I'm supposed to be playing a husband, I'm maladapted to my environment, right? And that's because I have ego attached to my choreographer persona, right? Or I'm attached to that identity. So the missing self is actually the idea that it's, um, there's two ways to look at it. But one is that you are always whoever you need to be in the situation. That's who you are. And then as you no longer need to be that person, you are no longer that person. And your self is always missing. So like the minute you think you figured out who you are, that you would shift and it would go missing again. And I think I live by this principle of the self character always being missing and being okay with that. Um, rather than this idea that we have to find ourselves, which I, I, I think the idea is that um, as you allow yourself to fluctuate and change and adapt, you become what the moment is asking for and that's it. And then when the moment's gone, you're something else the next moment. Sometimes I think when we think we've found ourselves, we know exactly who we are, we're this thing. I think you immediately open yourself up to rigidity and then you can't be anything else. Mm. Um, and I think that's the cornerstone of why I made it. And then it's slowly evolving now as I see people interact with it. So who knows where that brand will go. Uh, but that was what I was thinking when I was originally making it. That's, that's really cool because like, you know, you don't necessarily take um, these, like Ben said, these polarizing topics and then put your belief on what of the topic you believe, but rather because you have this belief in like the missing self and that, that, you know, that thought, um, that concept, uh, you're using things like these polarizing topics of discussion to showcase and help define, you know what I mean? That, that broader societal understanding of like where people are at with it. Yeah. As, so long as people can look at it, I think that's very, uh, healthy and necessary but also extremely complex C considering what you've received from everybody uh and where you're at with it do you have a oh, like a more so optimistic kind of viewpoint on where society is meant to take all of this information and how we're supposed to mature and evolve through these arduous times or do you feel like there's so much more work to be done before we can get to that point because you know as a society we're not quite doing as well as we should I, I always have an optimistic view. I, I really have a lot of faith in people. I, I think that conditions change fast. And when they change fast, we struggle more. And I think right now conditions are changing crazy fast. I mean, I'd like life is so different now than it was when we were kids. And the fact that we're even capable of living 
functionally is pretty impressive. I mean, we're, we've adapted to some things that we don't we take for granted. I mean, like we stare at a a phone for most of our day as if it was the thing we've always done, which right. is wild. Like our body adapts, our mind adapts to things that we just take for granted. So I believe that I think <clears throat> the the pendulum will swing in extreme ways, and some things will be damaging and things like that. And I think people will go through a lot of hard times, I think, but I, I believe that collectively, if we apply enough pressure and we share our opinions, I think we're in a good place. If we don't, I think that would be where my disaster scenario is like, cause there's going to be people who figure out certain elements of the problem. So it's like, Oh, we're all suffering from mental illness. And if everyone just shuts up, we'll never solve it. But there'll be a few people that kind of figured out, like saw a light at the end of the tunnel. If those people are scared to talk, we're all screwed, mm-hmm. right? Cause we, then we don't have the answer. So my only thing that could really like throw a wrench in where I see the future going is if we are no longer capable of discussing these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned um, earlier, like during during like the the height of the pandemic, that you were like, you know, what would I now that I have the, sort of the freedom to like kind of construct what I do with my time, and so you know, you said from working out to writing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you done in terms of like that time to where you're at when you're at where you're at now like are you still a very sort of routine type of person Mm -hmm. because i feel like and correct me if i'm wrong when i when i you know kind of take a look at the way that you think and the way that you approach um life it seems like you are very intentional about it outside of like yeah you need me to wear the persona of like a choreographer for a job but yeah, you yeah. get to choose what you're doing mm-hmm. um do you structure your days to look a, a certain way every every day or uh that's a recent thing it's actually interesting this this year has has been a shift in my um <clears throat> maturity maybe i'm not sure i think it was, might have been the marriage too i think uh we got married um in december and i think it was a it was a it was a crazy month emotionally for us because of, and I'm, you know, I'll just talk about it, even though it's uncomfortable, but the, uh, with Twitch's death. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, having those two events juxtaposed against each other within a day apart of each other. Cause it was, it was, wow, I got, it was I, like, I, I got married and then the next morning found out about Oh my Twitch. gosh. Yeah. And, um, I think there was a shift in Mackenzie and I for multiple reasons, but I think, and in this, and I'll talk about the marriage side first. It was essentially, you know, I, I think of love and marriage as two very different things. I think love is the acceptance of a person, however they come. And like, it's a very rare thing that you find that with someone who can like fully accept you the way they are. Even if they're shifting, you're like, all right, cool. I'll take whatever's available and they'll take whatever's available of you and just be okay with whatever's being presented in the moment. And then uh, I feel like marriage is, is the pressure to be better. Uh, which is opposite. It's like one's the acceptance of you as you are, and one is the pressure to be better than you are. And marriage th- did that for us in a, in a big way. I think it provided this leverage to be like, you know, um, it's time to start to put away some of the things that you don't need to hold on to from your childhood, you know, and allow yourself to grow up in a way to where you can actually enjoy this part of your life. And then the reason that ties in specifically with um, Twitch's passing was I was, I mean, I was pretty devastated by it. He was, pretty much the um he was like my hero in a, in a lot of ways i think he for years i mean i mean every time i thought of who was not only doing life well but doing like being a human well like who was really like the definition of a good man right so mm-hmm. he was like kind of my archetypal ideal and i was like okay cool and i i almost took it for granted that there was somebody like that even in that position so mm-hmm. when 
when he was gone, I was like, there was a surreal moment where my whole reality was crumbling for a second because I didn't know there was no way to fill that void. Like there was nobody else that was that for me. Anyways, the so after going through a period of grief over that, I, I, I decided that the only way to be nearer to him was to embody characteristics of his. And that was like the closest I could feel to him still being around. Um, so as this new year started, I like there's little things that I started doing to shift. This is finally getting back to your question. Sorry. That was great. Um, yeah. I started to shift from um, kind of letting the wind blow me wherever I go to um, regimenting my life a little bit more and taking really a lot of responsibility for not only myself, but the people around me and uh, expanding my um, sense of responsibility. So to answer the question, um, very recently, I started to shift to a more routine-like mm. uh, life. Um, the there's nothing routine about our job, so that never changes. So I don't ever, I don't feel like I'm lacking novelty, but I am um, trying to approach life with a little bit more discipline so that I can uh, be of more service to people uh, the way he was. And you know. what does that uh, like discipline or routine look like for you these days? Um, well, I mean, there's my basic routine is pretty much the same every day. I basically uh, I have to do a cold plunge in the morning, which is brutal. Uh, every morning and I've done that for like eight months now and then um, I basically go to the gym I write for two hours I film a piece of content and then I I'll do some sort of dance thing and then I pretty much write nowadays because of this new thing that I'm doing I write like seven or eight hours and then uh, maybe sometimes six and then most of the evening I try to connect with people I love and I treat that as like an important um, part of the day so I don't like just abuse work like there's a certain time where I'm like all right it's time to make sure that the people around me, and that was something I really failed at when I was younger as I basically like closed the world out. And then like I was dating someone, I would just be like, no, work's more important or friends. Like I would basically only hang out with friends when I had like a project to collab with them on, mm -hmm. you know, it was like only when I could produce some sort of like double value for my work, would I hang out with them? Uh, mostly because I was insecure and thought that I couldn't offer anything if I couldn't offer my creativity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and these are all things that I'm trying to be like, no take care of the people in your life as if they are an isolated important thing that deserves a hundred percent of your attention. And then your body is one of them. And then, you know, I'm basically trying to separate my life to where I don't neglect things anymore. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. No, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you've, you've already done so much, I think in your, your dance career to just now in this space of, uh, you know, you writing your book to the content that you're producing, um, what are some things that you have either yet to accomplish or something that you're actually currently working on as like a goal for yourself? Uh, I would like to be a good dad when that happens. That would be something I want to accomplish. Um, cause nothing else scares me that much. Uh, everything else seems pretty approachable. You know, if missing self does well, it's great. I'll just continue to evolve in a way that seems pretty natural, but having a kid's going to be like a, the whole world's going to turn upside down. Mm -hmm. So I hope I handle that well. Mm -hmm. So that probably, and then obviously like dance, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to get whatever project comes with that. And that's great. You know, if it's a feature even cooler, cause I love storytelling. So if I can get closer to the filmmaking process, that'd be great. But, but yeah, having a kid's just way crazier. <laughs> it's way crazier than yeah. any of that stuff. Totally. Yeah. So that's where I'm at right now. And who knows, that might be sooner rather than later because we've been talking about it a lot. Mm. So we'll mm -hmm. see. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. 
Well, well, speaking of that, man, I mean, um, you know, when you think about future and building uh, whatever empire that you're building, right? And um, career is tied into that, family's tied into that, self-care is tied into that. Um, and it's all kind of like for this thing that we, you know, want to call success, right? Like this, like, I have achieved whatever success is, and it's this very, you know, subjective term. Given all the things that you kind of just said, like, how would you define success? Hmm. Hmm. This is tough because there's a lot of ways I could say this, but I think my current, the first thing that came to my mind was essentially the most amount of attention to the present moment would be success. So the, a lot of times we don't realize, but we're divided like 60, 40, like even right now, I don't know what percentage of my mind is actually here. There's a good chance that a percentage of it is preoccupied. And it's actually dulling the sensory value of this moment with you guys. And I think the more that I take care of whatever that is that's preoccupying my brain and handle it and confront it, the more present I am and the more um, juice I get to suck out of mm. each moment, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. For me, success is achieving the highest level of whatever that is. Um, and I think the funny thing is, to a large extent, um, your life improves in all the cosmetic ways because of that. Because if you can be more present mm. in the moment, people can feel it. Mm. And they want to be with you more. And they want to talk to you more, which ultimately brings more opportunities. So the cosmetic stuff will change automatically. But at its core, I think that's what I would call success. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Wow. Love that. Um, I think you would appreciate this. So I think when, when I, again, when we look at you, man, like you go, you go in deep um, to study everything that you care to, you know, dip your feet into. So whether it's dance, whether it's writing, whether it's creating film and like where you're at right now, uh, just this place where you're just really just into a place of like digging deep into the human psychology and understanding um, what that is to you and how that affects uh, your relationships with the people around you and all that. And so there's a lot of time that you pour that you pour into the things that you care about. And and so the concept of mastery, right? Just putting the the 10,000 hours into a, a single thing. Uh, Bruce Lee has this quote. He says, I fear not the man that has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man that has practiced one kick 10,000 10, times. times. Yeah. And, and that could be anything, right? That could be, yeah, like an actual kick or it could just be like, understanding how you, you think, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so like, what, what is it for you out of all the things? I feel like there's probably a ton, but like something that you can maybe just pinpoint or just pick for yourself as something that you feel like you've mastered. Mastered. I think there's a very narrow niche of the choreographic realm that I could say I've put in a lot of hours into, maybe more hours than most people. But it's a very specific skill set that's kind of just unique to the thing I was most interested in. Uh, specifically, uh, the the understanding of the placement of attention with shapes of the body. I feel like maybe there's like a mastery narrow in there somewhere. Um, I love that. And 
but I think it's always it's always an, a developing thing. Yeah, I think that may, maybe that I don't know. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, just growing up, Mike Song would always call you the man of a thousand moves. So I just think that's super fun mm. for <laughs> this particular question. Who we always right. ask our podcast guests, but like the second it's like, I fear not the man who's practiced ten thousand kicks once. And I'm like, you haven't met Pack. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's actually funny because in in a battle scenario, man, it never worked because all I do was throw out a, a million moves out. But um, but no, yeah, it's definitely. Oh, I guess. If I were to be like honest, like I could tell you where my skill set drives towards. I can't say I'm a master of anything, but I think like I I um I am excited to find um novel ways of approaching things. Mm. That's literally all my mind does all day. It I'm not great at executing things that already exist. I'm not like it, like I'm not the best at um following formulas and then like making them work amazingly like some people do. But I can find a new way to do it, and it might suck. But I'll do that a hundred times, and maybe one of those will be really cool. And that is a skill set that I feel like I have. So, yeah. You know, um, this is uh, kind of random, but uh, I'm gonna say it because we get this opportunity to sit here and talk. But yeah, why not? I've always considered you, uh, considered you to be somebody who I uh, this word comes to mind is brilliant. Um, and I also don't take that word lightly. And when I bring this up, there was a, a time when I had choreographed to uh, the song High for This, shot this video. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember you had messaged me and or messaged in the comments or whatever. This is super early Anthony Lee days. Uh, and you were just like, yo, like that was really dope. You, you know, the way you use musicality and stuff like that. And you like, you like, you, I don't know if you were, we saw each other at an event or something like that. You pointed out one of the moves that I did. And that shit shook me because I was like, man, Pac's brilliant. And it was just such a super validating time. Like, it's, I, I don't know if I've shared that story uh, with you or anyone know, else, but that was actually that. a really unique and super memorable time in my personal journey. So just looking at your brilliance and then being able to receive something positive from you was like very, very helpful for my journey. So I just want to thank you for that, man. Yo, that means, that seriously means a lot, man, because I, I, it was 100% genuine. I actually remember that video. It was the shit. I loved it. It was so, it, and I think you found something that was. It felt so honest to you, and I, and I, it was the beginning of your journey of developing your style. Totally, yeah. But like, you could see it instantly. Like, oh, he f and I know how fucking amazing. Oh, sorry about the. Uh, how no, amazing it is to find your voice almost by accident, and then it be there, and you're like, oh my god, I think this is me, and you get mm. to see yourself in mm. your, you know, in your work for a second. And it just deserves, it deserves a pat on the back, man. That's like, honestly, because it's such a good feeling. And a lot of people will miss that because they'll just be so, you know, they'll be enjoying the dance. Yeah. But it is, it's such a good feeling. So I'm glad you felt good about it because you deserve it. Heck so. yeah. Thanks, oh, man. Yeah. Pac, well, dude, first of all, thanks for stopping in and spending some time with us. I know you just kind of, we just hit you up. We switched some scheduling <laughs> around and, and you were, you were down and. I'm happy to do it, man. Um, it was fun. Dude, just. Yeah, man, it's 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 great talking with you, and I I, I think one thing that I really do sense, um, it's even you saying like, yeah, probably there's a portion of my mind that's not even present. Like even the the awareness of something like that, I just feel like that just shows how aware you are of yourself, and to me that means you're probably even more present than you even realize. Even to acknowledge like, oh, you know, like, am I really really all the way here? Um, and something that like, you know, speaking of like, I just, I don't know why, but that Ann's story just kind of reminded me of something. It was our season of ABDC, season eight, right? I think it was the, 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 the week that you guys got eliminated and, you know, we all felt a certain type of way, right? You know, we're like, and we're like giving you love. And I don't even know if you remember this. I think we're like right outside of our hotel 
and we're just giving you love like oh man like that sucked da, 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 da. and then like and i think you were on like your your segue or something like that probably <laughs> and then like you're like you you acknowledged what we said but then like you're like oh, but like that the sun is out feels so good or something like that and i remember just, that and then you kind of just skirted up and we're just like this guy's something else, dude. You know, <laughs> I like, hella remember right? that. Like, yeah. Oh, and, that's funny. But it, it, it was that's such my a way real... somehow. Yeah. It was such a real moment. Like, like all of that was real. Us, like, giving you the love and us yeah. kind of like, man, that sucks, bro. Da, da, da. And then, like, but you also feel like... And I, I don't know. From what I got from that was, like, you were just, like... Like, almost like the stress of the show is done. Yeah. The sun is shining yeah. and I'm going to keep keep living you yeah, know what i mean yeah. like we're done with this now like yeah. and but that's like a the moment. segue is key to the yeah. story yeah. Yeah. if you ever yeah. watching somebody walk away versus yeah, yeah. Just yeah. riding off into the sunset <laughs> yeah. through the lot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that is but, yo hearing y'all's perspective on on those moments is so funny to me because you know you don't know how you come across at all but right. I, I love that version of me because <laughs> i'm sure in my head i was going through it be like yeah right. the sun's great i'm just crying you don't know on the, if you the camera was on the other side you would have seen me just like tearing up no but it was um it was wild but i i mean i'm glad that had that effect uh, who knows what i was thinking at the time though. yeah but yeah i bring that up just to say man you are um you know as ann said you are a pillar in the dance community but i think you are more than like what you've done in dance you know what i'm saying i think it's uh, your presence and and being in spaces and 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 especially like yeah like it's really cool um, having this conversation after the first one that we had where we yeah we really went into your creative process and that's obviously we can go forever on that but like um, where you're at right now with what you feel or what you're passionate about and where we had no idea where this conversation was really gonna go and yeah. I, I kind of figured I'm like yeah it's gonna go probably in a place where none of us would have thought and that's what's cool about these things right we yeah. get to just organically go where we where our minds are are presently at but man you are um somebody that um is an inspiration to so many um to the kinjas and to us like you know sitting here and um and and like i i'm so excited to see your journey as it goes from here and like you know you've been talking about like um becoming a father like like I can't wait to see that and see what that looks like oh, and, too, and you know man. what I mean and how you evolve in that space and um yeah man we, you have nothing but support um from us and uh we just want to just acknowledge you man and I, just, I, and I have you. to say in re response to this because it's y'all are gonna you're gonna fuck me up right now and like there's a there's a younger version of me that I think was crying inside feeling like he didn't belong in the dance community for a long time um and like i've since healed somewhat from that so but i can feel like even like having you guys have that sort of acceptance that probably always existed because you know we live in our heads so we make up stories about what other people think about us but i think there was always a there was always a sense that i never belonged anywhere and it's really nice for that version of me to get that sort of like Hey, you weren't alone. And actually, like, and you didn't have to, like, fight for that sort of acceptance. Anyways, I don't know where that's going, but I wanted you guys to know that it's it's really kind and it means a lot. And um, I, I've always looked up to you guys, which is genuine, truthfully. Uh, I've always felt like what you guys do and have done is, like, in impossible for me to understand. And um, I still feel that way. And it's it's really nice to connect like this. And 
Uh, I appreciate you guys bringing me on and everything. It's, it's been amazing. And honestly, this has been great, guys. You guys killed it. Word, thank and I you, love man. this vibe. So thank you for inviting me in y'all's space. Of course, it's, of course. It's lovely. Uh, okay. How can people follow the journey, man? Plug uh, socials and... Sure. It's really simple. Philip Shabib on For All Dance Stuff and then For All Talking Stuff, The Missing Self. Cool. And uh, I'm trying to do that across all platforms. But, you know, right now, TikTok and Instagram are like the main missing self. And then uh, Instagram's just kind of holding it down for the dance stuff for now. But. Yeah. But yeah, dope, dope. We'll plug all that in the in the description. Hell yeah, folks! Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you are finding this episode by itself, we have a lot more before this. We have amazing guests like Philip um, on the pod, and if you're really digging what we're doing, please help us out. Uh, like us on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Five star ratings are always great. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, guests that you want us to bring on, topics you want us to cover. Um, and uh, follow us, Kindred's Podcast, Cast with the K on Instagram, uh, all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, we're all there. Um, and screenshot us, let us know you're listening. I love regramming all that stuff. And uh, we appreciate you guys for stopping in. And thank you and Kindred Bang as always, y'all. Kindred Bang, peace. peace.